Sean said, I'm the very right Reverend Bishop Wesley DeVries. <laughs> no, I hate titles just as much as your pastor does. Uh, actually, um, uh, whenever uh, people ask me, they're like, uh, Pastor Wes, or what do you want me to call you? And I'm like, um, just call me the very right Reverend Bishop Wesley DeVries. And then I just leave them there for a bit, and then, they, uh, and then I laugh. But uh, yeah, I'm a pastor at Sweets Corners Church. Uh, I've been there for um, 18 years, 19 years. And uh, we um, uh, started there uh, when uh, we were just teenagers, Angie and I, working with youth ministry. Pastor uh, of the church left to another church, and, and a guest speaker didn't show up, so they hired me. And uh, from, from there, we uh, ended up having, uh, we had a, some transfer growth from another church that uh, uh, closed up and joined it with our church. And uh, from that, we saw an opportunity to reach out to more of this area of Haldimand, and uh, um, our church was full. We were having two services, and so we, uh, we decided, let's, uh, um, let's look around and, and keep our eyes open to, to what God provides and uh, then this building came up for like $184,000. It was just a steal. came with a house and everything. I don't know where the house is now, but uh, <laughs> just down the road. And uh, we, uh, we just saw it so clearly that uh, this is something that God provided for us. It's just 12 minutes from the home church, Sweets Corners Church. And uh, so each Sunday I would do the drive. I'd, I'd do the loop and uh, come down here, preach here, and then 12 minutes uh, uh, drive to Sweets Corners. And I would preach at Sweets. And I did that for about three years. And uh, just the whole time praying, please, God, let Mark be the person that takes this church over. And please tell him quickly. Uh, and uh, not that I wanted to get out of here, but it was just a little bit much. And, uh, and thankfully, I was blessed with an amazing team at Sweets at the time. Angie, uh, she would uh, lead worship there. And, and, and uh, we had one and wonderful and worth it all in the end. Amen? <laughs> and, uh, and I see it, uh, you know, I see it here that uh, it's so worth it. Uh, church planting, just a plug-in for church planting in general, uh, in that, you know, you plant a church, and it's just kind of like your kids. They challenge you to think differently. Um, they challenge you to re-examine what you do and why you do what you do, and think outside of the box, and uh, help you to move forward. And so uh, I thank you as a, as a church that, that you know, kind of happened with us in Sweets. You know, we, you, you kind of get in a, in a pattern, and, and you think you know what you're doing, and then you see your kids do it totally different, and you're like, hey... We could learn a thing or two from them, and, and so it's a great opportunity to grow when you plant a church. Uh, but today, I want to talk to you about, um, oh, Mark's my brother-in-law, by the way, um, just in case you didn't know there's a, there's a family connection there. Uh, today, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, on a scripture based in uh, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and I'm glad to see uh, some of the youth here tonight. I guess you're having a corn roast after the service, and, and it looks like some good things are happening. Is that tonight? Oh, that's next week. Oh, shoot. I'll have to come next week. <laughs> um, but it's great to see some of the young people uh, at, the, uh, at the church tonight, uh, specifically because I'm talking about uh, picking a path and, and knowing what path to be on in life. And the earlier you start in certain areas, the better, because if you're on the same path and it's the right path for many years, you just tend to be going in the right direction for a longer period of time. For some of us, it was a little later in life before we caught on to what the right path is, and you miss out on all kinds of opportunities. Not that it's ever too late, but I, it's, it's, oh, it's never too early to get on the right path, amen? It's never too early to get in the right direction in life. And so Psalm chapter 1 tells us, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. 
I was on my way to uh, African Lion Safari a couple years ago with a family who had them all loaded up. We, Angie likes to head out early in the morning. Uh, that's where we're, we differ on. And, and so she's always, you know, you know, hitting the whip in the morning. Let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, half the day's gone. It's like 9, 9 a.m. And, and she's mad we didn't leave yet. So we all get in the car and we headed out for African Lion Safari. And I knew there was a sign on the way. And I was driving and driving. And next thing you know, I'm at Square One in uh, Mississauga. Um, it has almost in Toronto, and I thought, how the heck did this happen? You know, how did I end up here? You know, this is, this is far from my destination, and I'm way off track. And a lot of you may have asked that in different areas of your life, maybe in your finances. You know, it's like you never had an intention to be in a bad place financially, and then you look at your finances, and it's like, how did we end up here? You know, how did we get to this place? Or maybe it's in regard to your family situation, in regard to some of your relationships, and you're just looking at your relationships and thinking, this isn't what I intended. You know, this isn't what I planned. This isn't what I thought of when I thought of a relationship. This is not where I wanted to be. It doesn't matter uh, what situation it is. The principle is always the same. And the principle is this, that God has directed and set certain paths, and those paths have destinations. And that depending on which path you are, it will determine your destination. It's not going to be dependent at all on your desire. You know, you can desire all kinds of things, but if you're on the wrong path, you're still going to end up in the wrong destination in the end. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that today because it's such an important message. Now, there's a few different uh, areas uh, that uh, we kind of, get on the wrong path. And here's some of the wrong paths. Many people follow the path of least resistance. The path of least resistance. I find that uh, younger people have a little bit more of a tendency in this direction because they figure they have so much of their life before them. And I want to tell you now, it flashes by so quickly. And so the path of least resistance says, whatever's next, whatever's fun, whatever I'm going to get the most out of, it just kind of that's the way I go. I just kind of go with the flow. And it's a lot of on the window of the car. Window, did you ever, when you're driving in the car for a long trip, get bored and start looking at the raindrops on the window of the car and try to guess what direction the raindrop's going to go? Did anybody else ever do that? No. Am I the only one? Okay, well, let me tell you how this game works, and then you will have a lot of fun in the future when you're on a long drive in the rain. So the game works this way. You pick a, you pick a drop, and you try to figure out the path that that drop's going to take to get down to the bottom of the window. And what you need to do is you need to look for the path of least resistance. So the shortest path, and you pretty much can predict where that drop is going to go all the way down to the bottom of the window. It's really exciting. Now, if you take this path, with your life, if you allow your life to take this path, what often happens is you end up in places in the end that you don't want to go. You know, for the moment, it's fine because it's whatever's pleasurable, whatever is fun, whatever's convenient, whatever's for me. But in the long end, in the long view, it's not fun. The path of least resistance takes you in a bad location. For example, there's 36 million people who are crapping themselves right now. <laughs> AshleyMadison.com. You know, 36 million people who are freaking out and saying, I don't want to be here. How did I get here? How on earth am I in this place? Why am I in this place? And they're terrified and they're upset and they're worked up. They're in a place that they didn't want to be. And yet they chose a path that eventually brought them to that place in life. Not one of them started off on their wedding day and gave those vows and thought, someday I want to have an affair on this woman. 
Nobody thought that. They thought, this is the person I want to be with for the rest of my life. I want to spend the rest of my life with this woman or I want to spend the rest of my life with this man. And they set out with that in mind. But somewhere along the line, they got on the wrong path in their relationships and they found themselves in a place that they didn't want to be. And they didn't end up there by accident. It wasn't an accident. It was a path that they took in life. It's like the day I left my car at Sweets Corners. I parked it out front. At the time, I was driving the Ford Escort wagon. Beautiful car. I love that car. It was my first car. <laughs> Isn't that pathetic? Ford Escort wagon. I parked it out front, and uh, it was standard. And uh, I uh, jumped into the church. I was in a hurry. I, I had to grab a few things, and I ran out to my car again, and my car was gone. And I, I thought, you know, somebody stole my wagon. Somebody else loves wagons. You know, and I was freaking out, and I, and I ran to the road, and in my mind, I thought, I'm going to try to get the license plate of the person who stole my car. <laughs> and, then, and then I realized that would be mine. <laughs> that would be my license plate. But in running to the road, I realized what happened is that my car, I didn't have the parking brake on, it was a standard, and the car went and followed the path of least resistance across the road and into a very deep ditch. And you know what? That's where a lot of people find themselves in life in that they've allowed their life to take on this autopilot. They've just gone with the flow. They've done whatever felt right or whatever seemed convenient, whatever came next, and whatever seemed best at the time, and they just find themselves in the ditch in a place that they never wanted to be. You know, the other area is the path of self-improvement, and this seems to be such an unpopular thing in the world, but the problem with this is is that in self-improvement, the problem with it is self You know, you can't, if you could have improved, then you would have done it already. Self gets in the way every time. And what happens is even if you end up improving yourself, all that you do is you exchange one demon for another in that you uh, switch something else out, but you end up with pride in the end. And you think, look at me, look what I've accomplished. And really, it doesn't get you to the place that you want to go. And a lot of churches are preaching just self-improvement, how to be a better you. You know, a lot of times, you know, we can fall into that trap. I, I know I did one night at youth group. I was preaching to our youth, and uh, I was in a hurry that day. Uh, Tato, he, he tells me, he says, I can tell when you don't have much time for your sermon. He says, you know, I can always tell. And uh, this particular day, my son, um, he, he said to me after youth group, I had preached a message and, and I was in a hurry that day. So the message was something like, you know, making good choices and being the better you and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. It was a bunch of garbage stuff that I might have learned off of a you know, self-help book, right? And it wasn't the gospel. It wasn't Jesus. It wasn't what God can do in your life. And uh, at the end, on the way home from youth, I'm feeling like crap for, for the message and, and just kind of thinking that was empty. And uh, my son Clayton turns to me. He's like, Dad, says, I felt, like a, lot, uh, felt it, uh, a lot like a self-help message. It didn't feel anything about, like, you know, anything. it was nothing about Jesus. And I was just like, oh man, this kid, you know, recognized the fact that I totally missed the point. And this is one of the paths that so many people follow, is just trying to be a better person and missing the fact that we are to be following after Jesus Christ. The next path that people follow is they follow a path of self-righteousness. So, you know, this path seems religious. It seems like this person has their act together, and it seems like this person is a godly person, but in the end, all they have done is they've taken just the first half of this scripture in Psalm 1, which says, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, don't stand in the path of sinners, don't sit in the seat of the scornful, and they have their whole list of things that they don't do. And they make sure that they don't do all the things they, don't, they shouldn't do, and therefore they feel really good about themselves as a person. 
They feel like they've accomplished something morally or, or spiritually, but all they've done is they have developed a negative purity, a purity that's only good in the negative sense of what they don't do. And it goes so far that there's even people who go around trying to recruit more people to not do the things that they don't do. You know, that Jesus talked about these guys in the, in the New Testament when he talked to some of the Pharisees, and he says, guys, he says, you go halfway around the world to win a convert, and when you do, you turn him into twice the son of the devil as you are. You know, all they are doing is keeping a bunch of rules and regulations, and they miss out on what it really is to walk the path. The problem with uh, the reason why this negative purity doesn't work is because Romans 7, 8 tells us sin takes opportunity by the commandment It produces in me, Paul says, all manner of evil evil desire. In other words, if you're basing your life just on a bunch of rules, you're just going to want to do those things even more, all the things you shouldn't do. That's the way it works. Haven't you ever felt that before? You know, have you ever gone on a no-wheat diet, and the next thing you know, you know, all you want is pasta, you know, and you just dream of white bread, and and that's just how it goes. You know, you, you... Strive for the one thing that you are, go after the one thing that you shouldn't have because it's the thing that you're thinking about. It's like me the one day I decided to purge all sugar from my house. I was doing groceries at the time and, and I didn't put any sugar in the grocery cart and I had nothing left and I was thinking, I'm doing really good. And, uh, and then I just started getting the itch and I started to feel like I need something. I gotta have something and I'm searching around the house and I'm looking wherever my old haunts are for something sugary and finally I uh, open up my filed cabinet where I always have my secret stash of Lindor chocolates and and candy and uh, I see in the corner of the desk that there's this little Swedish berry hiding under a dust bunny (laughs) all by itself and I know this sounds so wrong and so bad but I just couldn't help it. I picked up that dried out little Swedish berry and I dusted it off. And it was so good. (laughs) It's pathetic. And this is the thing. If you follow a path of self-righteousness, just focusing on all the things that you shouldn't do, and you miss the whole point of what it is to follow after Jesus and follow a life where you're helping people and living a life of passion for Christ and serving people and and living life the way that God has called us to live, if you're just following a path of self-righteous, you miss the point. My cousin Evan, he taught me this principle um, one day while we were, uh, we, we were biking, this, this, this principle of, uh, you know, the, um, the message of avoidance, you know, that somehow the Christian life can be, you know, a life of just avoiding all the things that are bad, and that's it. And uh, he taught me this on this bike path in Simcoe. It was called Twisted Sister, the bike path. And it was a bike path that cut fine corners throughout, real sharp corners throughout a pine forest. And each of the trees in this pine forest had the broken, broken bottom branches. They were all broken off, and they were sharp, and there was sap, and the bark was, was really, uh, you know, abrasive. Ronnie knows this trail. And, it, and it's brutal. This trail is just all corners and all sharp trees. And so after a few minutes on this trail, my arms on both sides are bleeding, you know, and, uh, and I'm covered with sap and I'm sweaty and I'm, I'm frustrated because my cousin hadn't hit, uh, hit a single tree. He's just flying through there and I'm feeling like an idiot. I, thought, I felt like an amateur biker and I thought, this is no fair. And finally I stopped and I said, how are you doing this? And he says, you got it all wrong. He says, I know what you're doing. He says, you're focusing on avoiding the trees, he says, you're trying not to hit all the trees. You're trying to make sure that you don't run into them. And he says, all you need to do is focus on the path. And I thought, yeah, right. 
that's, that's not, that can't be, it can't be that easy. It can't be that, you know, it can't be that clear of a, of a, of a way. And so I got back on my bike and uh, I tried this again and I just focused on the path. You know, and, and just think of this, focusing on Jesus, focusing on the life he lived, focusing on where the Spirit directs you, focusing, having a passion to live and serve him. And I focused on the path, and I did not hit a single tree. I made it all the way through the trail, and it was amazing. And I just said to him, thank you, you've changed the way that I bike. I'm never going to look at the trees again, you know, unless they're lying in the middle of the path, of course. But uh, it, it just saved me from a lot of pain. And I want to I tell you, this can save you from a lot of heartache. Instead of focusing all, the, all of your strength and energy on all the things you shouldn't do and just being obsessed with what you shouldn't do, um, you know, our focus needs to be on what it is that God is calling us to in, in, in directing us in his path, in his life, in the life that he's called us to. So how does this happen? Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There are certain things that you can treasure, things that are so important and, and, and uh, central to walking the path, to running after Christ, to living for him. And when you treasure those things, when you treasure his word and you treasure his presence, I tell you, that will dramatically change the way that you live this Christian life you're called to live. When I, uh, was, when I was doing youth ministry, I still do youth ministry. Um, a couple of years ago, I was doing youth ministry at our church. I was up at camp, and, and we were having a great time uh, doing a, a whole bunch of different games. And uh, one of the games that we, we do uh, every year at the uh, youth group is a water balloon fight. And, uh, and it gets rough. And there, we usually do about 700 water balloons. And it's just crazy. And, and one year, I put them all in the freezer, just a crust, just a little bit of ice crust, not much. And it gets a little violent. And uh, sometimes there is blood. But uh, we have so much fun. And we're having a great time. But then I always find myself afterwards left alone with a whole bunch of water balloons. And, and I'm just like, what's up with this? You know, I give them all this fun. I spend an entire day filling up water balloons for these little brats, and they leave me with all the mess. And so I tell them, I'm like, you know, okay, we're going to clean up water balloons. Let's, you know, let's see who can collect the most. And we, we, we try, and they stick around for a few minutes, and then they're gone. And so I almost gave up on the water balloon thing. I was so frustrated. But then we were doing Easter egg hunts one year at Sweets. And uh, Jeff Gooch, a high school teacher in Cuga, he works with our youth group. He was helping me. And, uh, and Gooch and I were hiding all the chocolates around the, the church and around the parking lot. And uh, he even hid his favorite in his car. And I hid, my favorite, I hid my favorite up high in a tree. And we're hoping that at least we would have our favorite chocolates at the end of this, this game, Right? And so we get to the end of the, um, the game, and the kids are out there, and they're searching, and, and they're seeming to find all the chocolates. And Gooch and I walk out. We're like, yeah, we're going to get our chocolate treat. We both had a Cadbury cream egg hidden. And I look up in the tree, and it's gone. And I was like, I hit it. It wasn't in view. They had to literally climb the tree to get this egg. And I was like, who did that? And Clayton, <laughs> you know, it's probably my son because he's always in the trees. But then uh, uh, Gooch looked in his car, and he's like, who even thought of going in my car? Why would they even think of hi me hiding an egg in my car? They had found the egg that was hidden in the door of his car, and they ate that egg as well. And I got this revelation that people will find what they treasure. You will find what you treasure. Isn't that true? If you treasure something, you're going to go after it. Jesus was so right when he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I switched things around with the water balloon fight. 
I said to the kids, I said, whoever collects the most water balloon fragments in the end wins a chocolate bar. Guess what? All of them are cleaned up every time. And so I've learned. You just learn after years and years of, of, of brutal work. But this is the key. And this is what I want to talk to you about a little bit tonight. And that's that we are to treasure his word. We are to treasure his word. It says in verse uh, 2 of uh, Psalm chapter 1. See, we don't end at verse 1. We don't end with all the things you should avoid. You know, yes, avoid those, but listen to this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. What's David talking about here? He's talking about God's word. God's instruction, God's way, the path, the life. He's talking about what God has spoken to us. And to David, that was so precious. It was so precious to know what God said. It was so precious to know what God is telling us is important to him. And Jesus, this is the thing he was so frustrated with, with the Pharisees, was that the Pharisees missed this. They would do things to make sure that they, in the end, didn't have to fulfill their obligation to the poor or to their parents. One thing they did is they were supposed to take care of their parents when their parents were aged. And instead, the Pharisees would give their money to a different cause. And then they would say, you know, we gave it to the Lord. Sorry, mom and dad. Tough luck for you. You're going to have to live in the poor house. We, we gave away what was yours. And they didn't fulfill their obligations for justice. They didn't take care of the poor like they should, but they did tithe on their spice rack. Can you imagine that? You know, they gave 10% of their spices in their house, but they didn't take care of the poor. And Jesus said, you guys missed the point. You just really missed what I'm all about. I'm all about relieving people of their pain and their suffering. I'm all about helping hurting broken people. I'm about bringing life to this world. I'm about people serving people and loving people. And I'm about, you know, doing this with a heart after the Father and listening to the Father. I'm about allowing the Spirit to work in and through us as God's people to do God's work in His way. Jesus showed us this so clearly in His Word. It says in uh, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's word transforms the way that we think and shows us what his plan and his purpose is for us. It shows us so clearly what his desire is for us. And so one thing I want to challenge you with is to treasure his word. You know, I've, I've been pastoring for so many years that some of the things that people used to say that I used to take it seriously, and now I just can't. I'm sorry, I just can't do it. So if, if you're ever one of those persons that has said this, you know, oh, I just don't know if I'm getting fed in, uh, on Sunday morning. You know, I just don't know if I'm getting fed. It's just not deep enough, you know, and I have to go around and check somewhere else out because it's just not deep enough at my church. Um, if you've ever said that, I just want to tell you, you know, I, I actually, sometimes I have a spoon in my pocket when I say this, but, you know, are you too? You know, feed yourself. If you are just on Sunday morning receiving the word and not any other day of the week, what is wrong with this picture? You know, so if you feel, ever feel like you're lacking, you know, in, in receiving God's word, I mean, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet all week long. It's like Florida, you know, everywhere. It's there. God's word is there. It's, it's like, you're, you know, there's no reason why there should be any Christians who are starving. You know, 
Every one of us has access to his word. And not only that, but we have this incredible thing. It used to be that you know, only a few of us knew about you know, technology when it came to understanding the Bible. And I'd have our one Sunday school teacher would call me faithfully every week and ask for a scripture. And uh, Dave Armstrong, he'd phone me and say, where's this scripture found? I always knew, as soon as I saw his number, I ran over to my computer, my old PCs, before I discovered Macs. Um, and so I ran over to my PC, and I uh, you know, got on the internet, and I would start typing as soon as he started talking, so that the moment that he was done, I'd press enter, and up came the result. And I would say, oh, Dave, that's from Romans chapter you know, 3, verse 4. And he's like, wow, you know your Bible so well. <laughs> he doesn't call me anymore. He discovered that he can do this himself. And this is what we all need to discover. You can discover God's word and fall in love with his word and understand his word on a level that is beyond anything that you could ever get by just, you know, going to church on just Sunday mornings. That God's word is there for you on on that level. And so treasure it. It's there for you. And it can teach you and guide you. And finally, treasure his presence. Um, John Edelman, a couple years ago at the... um, the uh, um, prayer breakfast uh, spoke a word, and, and uh, I still remember it um, clear as day just because it's that vivid uh, illustration of treasuring God's presence and, and uh, seeking after God. And it's Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Moses, he's out watching the flocks of his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he, he led the flock back to the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush, And so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sign, why the bush does not burn. And I know I read that, uh, you know, a hundred times, but he just brought out the, the fact that Moses turned aside. You know, Moses turned aside that, you know, we can get so caught up with thinking that we're on the right path, but if we're not turning aside to spend time with God and treasure our time with him, we're missing the entire point of everything. When it comes to your relationship with God, Jesus died for you. He went to the cross for you that you would have right relationship with his father and that you would become part of the family of God. And so if you get too busy to spend time with the father, you've missed the point. If you get too busy doing ministry work, that you have no time to pray and spend time just talking to God, going out for walks and spending time with your heavenly father, you've missed the entire point of why God came to this earth in human flesh. He wants relationship with you. Treasure his word. Treasure his presence. Seek after him, you know, and spend time with him. It's not an easy, it's not an easy path. That's one thing I want to tell you. It is not an easy path. You know, I've seen over and over again that it's a challenging path. It's It's amazing. It's incredible, it's fun, it's exciting, but it's a challenging path. It reminds me of the path at uh, Blue Mountain. It's at the top of the trail, at the top of the hill, there's this jump or this drop-off. It's about, you know, a couple feet, and you just go off this wooden pla- uh, plank, and you drop off on an incline of about that much, and you just go down the hill. And there's a little sign that says, if you don't like this, this is indicative of the entire trail, so don't ride this trail. <laughs> Jesus did the same thing a lot of times with his disciples. He said to them, guys... It's not going to be easy. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be quite the adventure. You're going to find life, life more abundantly. But there's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some trials, difficulties. But I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And so I want to challenge you to seek him by treasuring his word, treasuring his presence. This is the result. 
Verse three, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for what you have done in our lives and giving us this amazing life to live. I thank you that, God, you have not called us out from this world just to keep a list of rules, to improve ourselves a bit. But, Father, you called us to be passionately following you, to live a life that's led by your Spirit, to be directed by your Word, and, Father, to have an intimate relationship with you. I thank you, Jesus, that you showed us all of this. You showed this to us so clearly, so concisely, because you are God. And I thank you that you came to this world to show us how to, how to love, how to live life, and uh, to be forgiven of our sins and have redemption through you. I thank you so much for the cross. And I ask that tonight each of us would be doers of your word and not hearers only. That we would learn more and more to treasure the things that are most important. And Father, I thank you that through and in all of this, you will set our priorities, that you will direct our paths, that you will light up our our paths and, and be able to see the direction that we are to go. And I thank you, God, that your protection and your covering and your direction will be so apparent and so real to each person in this place. We just give you praise for the life that uh, each person here is going to be walking out in faith as they trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.